Hello and welcome to Leader Up, a podcast by the Army Management Staff College, where we discuss a broad range of leadership and leader development topics with an emphasis on the Army profession. If you listened to our previous episodes, you've probably been wondering, where have we been and what's up with the new name? Well, to answer the first question, our previous host, James Cameron, took a new job this past spring, and we simply weren't prepared to carry on the podcast without him. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank James for his vision in starting the podcast and for all the hard work and countless hours he put into producing those first 21 episodes. As for the name change to Leader Up, we simply wanted a name that better reflects our podcast and what we're all about. We hope you like it. Mr. David Howey, who was a guest on some of our previous episodes, will be taking over the reins as our host. My name is Chad Cardwell, and I'll be assisting Dave as needed. In today's episode, Dave will be meeting with Dr. Larry Wilson from AMSC to discuss the topic of followership. Hello and welcome to our podcast. You know, there have been thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of books, topics, papers, discussions about leadership. Uh, and we, we all know that leadership is important. But today we're going to talk about something that goes hand in hand with leadership, and it's another part of the equation and that's something that is referred to as followership. And so I brought someone today to join us on this podcast uh, to talk about followership. And I want to introduce Dr. Larry Wilson, who is an instructor writer from Army Management Staff College, the Department of Academic Support and Distributed Learning. So, uh, Dr. Wilson, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me in. And I look forward to dialoguing with you on, on the role of the follower. All right. That's outstanding. And so let's just jump right into this topic. And uh, just big picture-wise, what is followership? Well, you, it, it's really the other side of the coin from leadership. Um, you know, leadership is a dyad between a leader and a follower. Uh, and therefore, you can't have leaders unless you have followers. Uh, so we have to have the role of the follower as part of that dyad, that exchange between a leader and a follower. So that's that's important for us to to really understand that you can't be a leader unless you have followers. Um, and really, as an Army civilian, we really have three roles to play uh, in order to be effective as an Army civilian. Uh, and those three roles are leader, follower, and manager. And we're going to talk about two of those today. And if you think about it, it's actually what we call a role triad that you, as an Army civilian, you have to play all three roles effectively in order for the Army to be effective. And it really kind of comes back to our creed. If you look at the creed, the Army civilian creed, there's some words in there that allude to the fact that we have this role to play as a follower. And uh, when we start talking about providing, you know, the Army civilians are supposed to provide leadership, they're supposed to provide continuity, and they're supposed to provide support. That support piece of that means to play the role of the follower and be good at it. We have to be good in that role. Okay. And and why is followership important, in, for especially for uh, – you kind of touched on it, but just give us a little bit more about why it's important for members of the Army Civilian Corps. Well, I, let me back up a little bit, and let's let's define the terms of reference here a little bit in terms of what a what followers are and what followership is. A follower, like a leader, is a person. 
okay? Followership is a process, just like leadership is a process. Um, so a follower, when we think of a follower, we think of a person who accepts guidance or command or leadership to assist in achieving the goals of the organization and accomplishing tasks. We have to be willing, in terms of the process, to take guidance and take leadership and influence from a leader and go forward and do great things for the organization. So that's an important thing to remember is that followers are people, followership is a process. The term follower is actually a ninth century German word that comes from the word phallosean, which means to help or assist or administer to. So if we understand the root word there, we understand what it is a follower is to do. And it's critical. They're critical to the organization. The quality of our followers determines how well our organization or our enterprise can actually function. And so I'm I'm in an organization, and and so by definition, I am a follower. I, I have leaders in my organization, and I follow the things that they direct me to do or they give me intent, things that need to be done in the organization. And so what I'm hearing you say is, I am a follower, and that the process is followership, and that's what I do when I hear what my, my supervisor wants, I interpret what, what they want, and I go about doing the things uh, that, that need to be done to get whatever their intent or their guidance is. Am I, am I on track with that? Yeah, you're making a great point. You know, that uh, followership as a process, a process produces a product. Anytime you hear the word process, you should say, what is the product that pro- that that process produces? Followership is a process produces the accomplishment of tasks and goals for the organization. And regardless of where we are in the hierarchy, we all have a boss. And at some point, we have to effectively play the role of follower in addition to the other roles that we play. And so even, even somebody who's a supervisor – uh, uh, a leader or a supervisor or a director uh, or managing an organization, they apply followership because they have uh, their own supervisors and leaders who give them the same kind of guidance that I get. That's a great point you bring up. The the uh, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an anecdote from a GS-15. So um, one of the GS-15s that we have here in the college, I had a discussion with them uh, in terms of the three roles that Army civilians are to play. And I said, as a GS-15, you know, obviously you're a very, very important person. And I said, which role do you play most, leader, follower, or manager? And he said, I spend the bulk of my time executing followership functions, follower functions. So there's a GS-15 who has a boss that would tell you they spend the bulk of their time as a follower executing follower functions. Okay, and let's let's move on to uh, uh, maybe some things that I would see in an organization that would help me understand uh, different types of, of followers. And so if, if I look at an organization and I see uh, different people uh, doing followership, there I'm going to guess that there are different types of followers at different levels. So can you just address that? What what are some different types of followers that I might see in an organization? The the bulk of the research is really tied to a guy named Robert Kelly. And I, I believe Dr. Kelly's up at Carnegie Mellon. But uh, 
he was kind of the foundational follower or the foundational theorist behind followership. And he really articulates five different types of followers. Uh, the star follower or what we call the dynamic follower who kind of sits at the top of the pyramid. Uh, next comes what we would consider pragmatic followers. Um, conformist followers fit in there. Uh, and then we would, they, we would have um, some passive followers uh, that kind of are part of our organization. And then kind of at the bottom, uh, even though they have the same characteristics as a star follower, is what we consider disaffected followers or insurgents in our organization. Dr. Kelly articulates five different types of followers. A lot of the contemporary research on, on follower types and followership have articulated as many as 15 different types of followers. So, uh, But those five tend to be the ones that we come back to on a regular basis because it is kind of the foundational work when it comes to followership. And so uh, the, the star follower that you mentioned, I'm assuming that, that that's the, the top level, the highest level, uh, what I as a follower would want to ascribe to be. And so just tell, tell me uh, or tell our audience a little bit more about h- how would I notice or recognize uh, a star follower in an organization? That's a great question. And, and unfortunately, we don't have a high density of them in most organizations. Usually someplace between 5 and 10% of an organization is comprised of star followers. But you'll know them. Uh, because they think independently and dynamically on their own. And they don't necessarily uh, go along just to go along. Uh, One of the characteristics that separates a star follower from other types of followers is the ability to speak truth to power. Now, I think we're all kind of attuned to the fact that when someone says, no disrespect intended, that they're preparing to be disrespectful. Uh, So what we need out of a star follower and the way you recognize a star follower is they speak truth to power in such a way that power wants to hear truth spoken. So they can say something, uh, and it resonates with leaders, uh, but it's said in such a way that leaders want to hear what the star follower has to say. They usually have a lot of influence in our organization. Uh, they carry out their assignments with great energy. Um, usually we, we don't require, they don't require a lot of oversight or supervision. Uh, they can function within our leader's intent. Uh, they're usually intrinsically self-motivated. Uh, they take you know, we, we we talk about being proactive and being a self starter. You'll usually see that out of our star followers as well. They're very creative, and they're usually employing their talents and their skills for the benefit of the organization, not necessarily themselves. So there's a lot of characteristics that go into being a star follower, but when we you can you can usually tell who they are based off of those types of things: how well they think, how critically they think how well they carry out their assignments, how much vigor they put into their exercise, into carrying out their assignments, how much willingness do they have, um, and how much influence they normally have in the organization. And so what I'm hearing is these are – a star follower is, is highly skilled because it's, it's, it's kind of mandated that they know how to do their job really well. Uh, but they also balance that with um, a level of authenticity – and candor about their viewpoint, what they think should happen. But then they also balance that with a level of uh, respect towards uh, the chain of command. Uh, And so they're able to explain what they think, what they want, uh, and influence the organization, uh, but, but in ways that cause them to be listened to, heard, and understood. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you can be a star follower unless you embrace your role as a star follower. Okay, and I, I can think back on times when I've been in uh, leadership positions, and I can, I, I can, I can think and see the people in in the organization that kind of fit that uh, fit that mold. And here's the uh, the 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 hundred million dollar question about star followers is how do we develop them? How do we get them? In our organizations, yeah, there's really a couple different ways of of developing people. I'm going to use uh, James McGregor Burns' four eyes in terms of developing people. Um, normally, when we when we talk about let's talk about development for a minute. Okay, usually we don't. Usually we like to use in the army the term leader development. Okay, what we're really talking about here is follower optimization, and the two are different constructs. Leader development normally deals with siphoning off our best people and sending them off for specialized training because we've earmarked them as future leaders in the organization. Follower development is, or follower optimization is a little bit different. Follower optimization is where we invest in people so that they become better followers. We make them smarter. It, and the great thing about follower optimization is it's not just limited to a few people that we're going to siphon off. It's going to be open to everyone so that we increase their potential and their capacities and their capabilities as a follower. So that's the first thing we have to understand is the difference between leader development and follower optimization. Once we get the once we have a follower and we want them optimized and the army's great about this and the army talent management strategy one of the lines of effort talks about development and they're really discussing not only leader development but follower optimization in that line of effort in the army talent management strategy. But we've got to invest in them, and we have to invest in them by tailoring the activities that we send them to where we take advantage of their naturally imbued strengths. Normally in the Army, when we, try to, when we talk about counseling and performance and trying to move people forward, we usually like to try to deficit fix. All right, if we try to deficit fix an individual, we're going to get average performance at best. What we want to do is tailor their development, their optimization activities to take advantage of their naturally imbued strengths and send them off for training that leverages those strengths. That's where we get great performance from is by taking advantage of people's strengths. We don't take somebody who works in human resources and say, you know what, you're not very good at financial and finances and accounting, so I'm going to send you off to be a CFO. No, we're going to send you off to make you the best human resources person we can make you. And that's how we're going to get an optimized follower. And so, so, and so what I think I'm hearing you say is, to, to develop a star follower uh, is one of the important things to do is to find out what that person's strengths or capabilities are and leverage those and take try to take advantage of those rather than turn them into somebody that they that they're not right the, and it goes back to our that goes back to our four eyes that's what we call individualized consideration when we provide followers individualized consideration we tailor their development or their optimization activities by specifically looking at what it is they're good at and what it is they're poor at and leveraging their strengths while working around their weaknesses. We want to manage around their weaknesses so that we can take advantage of their strengths. And so if, if I'm looking again at an organization and I see different types of followers and you laid out the, the, the five different types of followers how do they differ from – how would I see that they differ from one another? 
Well, if you're looking for pragmatic followers, pragmatic followers is normally a, a group of followers that falls below our star followers. They tend to be uh, capable subordinates um, who are attuned to the organization. Think of them in terms of transactional followers. They've signed up to come to work. They have a position description. Uh, they're going to come to work and give you eight hours of good work. Uh, and, and an Army civilian um, tends to be a pragmatic follower because we don't necessarily pay attention to the political climate around us. We're expected to come to work every day, fulfill the requirements of our job description, regardless of who is the president of the United States or who's controlling Congress. All right, we're expected to do those things. That's a pragmatic kind of a follower. Um, they are people who kind of minimize conflict. They're people who kind of monitor how the organization is going and adjust their behavior accordingly. Um, and they're pretty much professional what we would consider professional bureaucrats uh, in the hierarchy. And so that's kind of where we get a pragmatic follower from. Conformist followers we're all familiar with. They're kind of part, you know, kind of this uh, middle mass of people. Um, they'll do what leaders say. Uh, they'll implement their job instructions. Uh, but they expect the leader to be in charge. And they expect the leader to give guidance. And they'll think critically if you ask them to do so, but it's not their normal default setting. So they make up a good middle mass of the people. Uh, the sheeple, or the people we would consider rote followers, we always have some of those in the organization as well. And their job, uh, their part of it is, is somebody's going to tell me what to do, but I'm not doing it unless somebody tells me. And if we think about a job description, a job description not only tells you what your job is, it allows our passive follower to say, that's not my job. And so, therefore, they're not going to do what's outside their job, and they expect to be told when to do something, and they're going to comply with what it is you tell them to do. And then the last set, of course, is probably the most nefarious group, and that's our disaffected followers who are working to undermine the organization. And we always have some of those in our midst. Uh, the idea here gets to be is who do we want to have influence in the informal social structures of our organization? Really what we want to have in our organization is we want to have a a, for lack of a better term, a shadow structure or an informal social network where our star followers have influence in it as opposed to our disaffected followers. Now, remember, disaffected followers were once star followers who were unhappy with either their work situation or their leaders, and therefore they've moved into opposition. And they normally move into opposition to preserve some sort of standing or margin uh, on the sides that they used to enjoy. Because you got to remember, once upon a time, a disaffected follower was a star follower. They've just now taken their energies and their talents and their skills, and they're working to undermine the organization as opposed to making it go forward. And that's one of the most troubling uh, parts of, of this theory is the idea that uh, those those people that used to be my star followers, my, my A-team best players that I could get um, that had great skills, that were willing to engage – that would be authentic and honest with me, somehow they have been turned into the disaffected followers and uh, they are now uh, overtly, if I'm understanding this theory right, they are now overtly trying to uh, do subterfuge within an organization. Yeah, overtly or covertly, you know, they're working to undermine the organization because most of the time it deals when somebody's gone from being a star follower to being a disaffected follower, it's usually associated with a loss of status. 
So we've had a change in leaders. We've had a change in the way the organization works. We've had a change in the way the structure of the organization works. And there's this perceived loss of status. And so what happens to them is a way to re to maintain their status, they become a disaffected follower. Now, not and I, I think it's important for us, Dave, to, to to make sure that we understand there's a there's a general rule in play here. Not all followers are created equally. You know, we tend to look at followers as a mass of humanity, but they're really not. Not all followers are created equally, just like all leaders aren't created equally. And so, you know, we need to be able to draw distinctions among followers so that that way we are rewarding the people who are our star followers for the work that they do and what they bring to the organization. And we try to remediate into some sort of average performance those who are disaffected followers. And and there are ways that I can uh, – or th- that followers differ from one another uh, separate from the way you just described them, but in, in more broad terms. Can you just address that? Sure. You know, in, in ADRP1, uh, the the it says that the army the army professional the army civilian is supposed to have competency commitment and character and those are ways that we can differentiate amongst our followers. Uh, for example, under the competency piece of it, the think of the thinking level, the credibility, the autonomy, how well somebody communicates, and how much influence they have in the organization is a way to differentiate amongst people based off of their competencies, all right? If we were to think about our followers, we would say, this follower has more credibility than that follower. This follower has thinks at a, at a, at a higher level than this follower does. This follower can work, with, can work with more autonomy than this follower does. This follower communicates better than this follower does. So the, in, the, in, the, in the competency domain, those things are what distinguish amongst followers. When we get into commitment, it's about willingness. Okay, followers come with a level of willingness. And usually in the Army, we usually talk in terms of commitment and compliance. Well, there's really more than that. Okay, there's really a level that we call engagement, and there's also a level that we call resistance. And if you think about your followers, they usually fall in one of those four areas. Or is it a follower who's showing resistance? Is it a follower who's only going to give me compliance? Is it a follower who's going to be committed? Or is it going to be a follower who's engaged? So we tend to differentiate in commitment along those four areas. And then we get into character. You know, followers all have different levels and different types of character, and they differentiate from each other each other uh, based off of character. And that tends to be trustworthiness. How trustworthy are the followers? Not all followers have this. We, we don't have the same level of trust with all the followers that we have in our midst. Uh, openness. How open are they to new learning and new ideas? Um, how humble are they? Um, how disciplined are they? Discipline is the ability to self-govern. Not all of our, fo- not all of our followers have the same ability to self-govern. And how much emotional intelligence do they have? So those kind of make up the character attributes of it. So amongst competency, commitment, and character, followers are different. And, and you started talking about uh, Army doctrine there. And let's just jump right into that and talk about uh, how this idea of followership is reflected in Army doctrine. And I, I read a quote from uh, ADP 622 that came out uh, in July of 2019, and I'll just read it and kind of get your reaction or talk about 
how this is related to our discussion. And the quote is, effective leaders learn to be trusted followers. Uh, So just how, how does that relate to the to the discussion that we've had so far. Yeah, and you wouldn't think in, in terms of about eight words there, uh, how much uh, can, is linked into that. Uh, you know, effective leaders learn to be trusted followers. From an Army perspective, the Army's starting to get woke to leadership or to followership here. And you can start to see it in the new uh, ADP 622. There's a significant shift in the language that's used in the new doctrine. And for better or for worse, we're all betrayed by the language that we use. And in this case... I think the Army has betrayed its feeling towards followership as a valid role that we have to play in our military. Um, For example, in the old 622, the word superior and subordinate was used more than 300 times. Now, what that means is there's some sort of a coercive relationship in play. That has since gone up. A tremendous amount of that has now gone out of the new ADP 622, and the words leader and follower are used more often. And it acknowledges that there's more ways to influence a follower other than legitimate authority, coercive power, and reward power. So I think that language shift is important to us in our doctrine when it comes to the role of being a follower. You know, your point there about effective leaders learn to be trusted followers. We tend, it goes back to our development piece of this. We tend to develop leaders and we don't look so much at followers. I mean, how many times have we gone someplace and we've heard a senior leader say, you're all leaders? Well, we're probably not all leaders. You know, we may lead depending on the context, but we may spend the bulk of our time in a follower role. And so therefore, we probably ought to be very good at it when it comes time to be a follower. So, and trusted is a key word in there. Trust is a confidence relationship between two people. We don't trust all of our followers in exactly the same way. That relationship is different. It's a confidence relationship. And as a leader, we tend to show more confidence in followers who are star followers than we do for people who are disaffected followers. So that trust relationship is different for every one of our followers. And as a result, we spend a lot of time teaching people how to be leaders, but we need to teach them how to be trusted followers and move forward and, and move forward that way. And it really does. In paragraph 145, uh, 1-45 in ADP 622, it talks about the shifting of roles. You know, we there's this there's this thought that we can be sitting in a room, you could be sitting in a room with people who work for you and you are the leader in the room. And the minute your boss walks into the room, you now have to immediately shift roles. You're no longer the leader in the room. You're now one of the followers. And so we have to understand that there's a shifting of roles that occurs. And uh, and that gets addressed in chapter one of 622. And I think that's, that's foundational for us in order to effectively execute those roles. And there's, there's also in Chapter 5 this discussion that all uh, Army leaders are followers. And so we need to understand that we have to play both roles effectively there. And the context is what determines whether or not we're a leader in a situation or a follower in the situation. So I think there's a, a significant shift in 622, you know, uh, the new one that's coming out on the street uh, that we're just now starting to see. And, and I think it's a, it, it speaks to a mindset of where followers and followership is increasingly important. And th- this idea that context determines or is, is a guide for the person to know uh, if, if they're a leader or a follower in a certain situation, I wanted to share a, a vignette with you and get your reaction to it. 
this is just a couple of years ago. I had a student who uh, was he had he he had been in the army. He was active duty, and uh, he was a medic, and he was lower enlisted. I believe he said he was an E four, and uh, he was in a helicopter crash. And fortunately, it wasn't so catastrophic that there were uh, so many casualties, but there were injuries. And he said that that the, him and the other medics immediately started directing anyone that wasn't injured to do certain tasks. And I remember the phrase that he used was, he said, all of a sudden, rank had no meaning. And so, and he said that uh, the people, regardless of their rank, did exactly what these these young uh, lower enlisted medics were telling them to do right then and there. There was no discussion about, I outrank you, I'm going to take charge of this situation. And so just if, if you could talk about how that, that story uh, supports this idea of followership and how the context kind of is, is a guide to which role I'm called upon to play. Yeah, it's a powerful story, very, very powerful story because it, it, it lays out a couple things here that that are in play in the in the uh, in in your story. Number one, the shifting of roles and the and how context immediately changed, and people who were leaders are now followers, and people who are now followers are now leaders. That's a a very very powerful example of how that can occur, and it happens every day uh, in the in our military. If you think about it, leadership is about influence. It's an influence process. And we can see one of the forms of influence here being the expertise on the part of the medics. As soon as their expertise is required, they ascend to the position of leader. And those who were leaders now must accept the role of followers and carry out what they've been told to do by the person who now has the most expertise and influence in the situation. So I think it's a great anecdote about how the shifting of roles occurs and the impact of influence in creating who's a leader and who's a follower. If we think about leaders and followers, the difference between the two is a power disparity. Okay, usually the ability to influence others exists because you have more power than somebody else. We don't like to say that in America because power is America's last dirty word. But without power, there is no influence. You have to have influence. You have to have power in order to influence. And what you see here in our story of the medics is our medics have influence because they possess the expertise necessary to influence everyone else. There's a power disparity there between the medics and everyone else regardless of rank. And that's what you see here with the influence occurring and flowing from leader to follower, which is part of that dyad that we talked about earlier. And so and so in this case, these the, the medics, uh, had they had the competence to know what should be done, and because of their the, the ethos of their training, that they had the commitment to do the right thing on the spot, and they also had the character to step up and kind of say, this is what needs to happen. And conversely, everybody else recognized, I, I don't have the competence to, to do this, and so I'm going to listen to someone that does. And because I'm committed to the organization, I, I'm going to put aside uh, my, my own uh, rank or position or whatever to get this job done because it's, it's what's needed in the moment. Right. And, and, and people tend to think that followers have no power. 
and, and followers have no influence. Followers have a tremendous amount of influence and they have a tremendous amount of power. The problem is it's not positional related. It's personal related. And there's usually three forms of power that we discuss when it comes to followers that provides them influence. Number one is what we call referential power. If I look up to you and want to be like you, you can influence me. We've role modeled other followers. Think of it in terms of a peer leader. We see somebody else who's of our grade or our station who's better than we are at something and makes you want to be like them. The second form is what we call expert power, which we just talked about with our medics. If somebody has more expertise than you do, regardless of what their grade is, they can influence you. And therefore, they have the ability to lead you in certain areas. And the last one is informational power. There are times when followers possess information that we don't have as a leader, and we therefore need that, and they're able to influence us. Think us in terms of leading up. You know, there are times when we as followers have more information than our bosses, and we can influence them in certain ways because we have information that they don't have. And those are usually the three power forms that a follower possesses that allows them to have influence. And when you influence others, regardless of what role you're playing, you're acting as a leader. And so if, if, if I'm a, a leader or a supervisor, uh, I'm, I may be influenced by a follower. Number one, I, I, may, uh, I, I may be impressed or I may uh, admire uh, certain qualities about them. That's referential power. Um, they, they may have expert power, which means they've done something for years and years and years, and I go and ask them, and they know – exactly what's needed to be done right there on the spot. Uh, and then information power to me is uh, someone who, as soon as a topic comes up, they can tell you exactly what the regulation says, where it's at. They can go right to it, and they can tell you exactly what's there. And because they ha- because of those things, they're able to influence that leader. Uh, and if I'm a if I'm an effective leader, I recognize when I, I yield or listen uh, to to those fo- and star followers. Hopefully, listen to those people in my organization when they've got something to say and they're trying to help me get the job done. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. What if you think about it from a personal power versus a positional power kind of a dichotomy? We tend to think of. Star followers are, are great followers as having what we call personal power. If somebody's in a, and we like to call it a leadership position, which I would submit to you, there's no such thing as a leadership position, only a position as a leader, that's usually imbued with inherent authority. In the Army, think of it in terms of command, AR 600-20 imbues a person with legitimate authority. Their rank imbues them with legitimate authority. And based off that legitimate authority, they can make requests of other people. They usually come, if you have a legitimate authority appointment, you usually have the ability to reward people and to coercively get them to do things. The difference is, and this goes back to these willingness levels we discussed earlier, positional authority normally does does not get a follower to be engaged. That usually requires personal influence. Likewise, if a person is in resistance, think of our people who are part of our disaffected followers. You're not going to be able to move them from being a disaffected follower to being a star follower 
through coercive means, through your positional power. You may get them to be compliant, but that's about as far as you're probably going to get them to go if you're going to use coercive and reward power to move them out of resistance. So it depends on what kind of follower you are and what kind of leader you are as to what form of influence you use to get the most out of the person. Thank you. And uh, I, I wanted to kind of bring this conversation, this podcast to an end uh, by talking a little bit about mission command. And uh, you, we started talking about Army doctrine there at the end. And uh, just, just as a review for folks out there, uh, mission command, I'll, I'll review the principles and we'll talk about them. It's building cohesive teams through mutual trust, creating shared understanding, providing a clear commander's intent, uh, exercising disciplined initiative, using mission-type orders, and accepting prudent risk. And so th- those are the, the, the principles of mission command that uh, lot, lots of folks are very, are very familiar with those. And so how does the Army – uh, kind of leaning towards this idea of followership, how does it help support those principles of mission command? That's a, that's a good question. We can't really have mission command unless we have a high density of star followers. If we're going to have what you've talked about here, if we're going to allow people to function autonomously within our intent, if we want them to show disciplined initiative, we can't allow that unless we have star followers. Detail command goes on the other end. And if we're going to have detail command, then we can have as many disaffected followers, as many sheeple as we want. If we're going to practice detail command, hard oversight, heavy control. But that's not what mission command calls for. If we're going to have mission command where we have disciplined initiative and we allow people to operate within our intent, then we need to have a high density of star followers to do it. And that requires us as leaders to develop them as such and optimize them as followers so we have as many star followers as possible. And think about it in terms of an organizational structure. If you're going to have a flatter organization where people don't have direct, heavy oversight on a day-to-day basis, we need star followers. At a minimum, we need pragmatic followers and star followers. If we're going to have a taller organization where there's multiple layers between us and people who are executing things on a day-to-day basis, well, then we can have lesser type followers. But mission command and the principles associated with mission command and the philosophy the leadership philosophy of Mission Command requires us to have as many star followers as we can develop. And if I uh, if if I'm able to employ these these principles of Mission Command, and I have star followers making my organization run, that allows me, the leader, to focus outwardly or to focus on other things because I'm confident that. Uh, the job's going to get done, and I have I have trust that my organization, when when problems or issues come up, that the star followers are going to deal with them and solve them in a way that's that's within my intent. So I don't I don't have to tell everybody everything that they have to do every day. They they understand where the organization is 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 supposed to go, and because they have the uh, competence, uh, character, and commitment, they're, they're able to get the organization there uh, and allow me to focus on other things other than uh, f- making or forcing the organization to do certain things. 
That's great. It's a great, uh, you know, I think you're making a, you're hitting on a great point here about how star followers enable leaders to do other things. By not having to provide oversight, by not having to provide guidance, by not having to currently ch- constantly check up on somebody with a star follower who shows autonomy, they really do about three different things that really help leaders become better leaders. Number one, leaders can focus their attention where it really needs to be and trust that the star follower is going to do what's in the best interest of the organization. The second thing is the star followers serve as a great hedge against toxic or unproductive leadership. So instead of an organization that's ground to a halt or comes to a stop uh, because they've got a an unproductive leader in charge, your star followers ascend and help the organization continue to function. And the third thing is, is star followers are, if they're not more valuable than the leaders that they work for, they're as valuable. And so they add value to the organization that wouldn't otherwise be there. So there's some great things about star followers uh, and having them in our midst that are important. And the last thing I wanted to to talk to you about is um, we we're, we here at Army Management Staff College, a, a lot of the students that I have encountered in the classroom are what I refer to as functional experts in other words, they have a body of expertise that they employ in their organizations. And in a lot of cases, they work, they, they are supervised or have a manager or a leader who isn't as well-schooled in their job as they are. In other words, they have been trained in a certain area of expertise, uh, but they do not work for someone who has that same level of training or understanding or background in that area of expertise. And so we'll just finish this off with uh, just a a discussion or your viewpoint on why it's important uh, for for those people to strive to be star followers. Well, it it really goes back to our influence uh, in the the organization. These people that you're talking about that have the tremendous amount and depth of expertise – hold a tremendous amount of influence. The, then the next, Remember, we talked about all followers are not created equally. So they've got this great expertise, probably more expertise than the other followers in the organization do. But this goes back to our communication ability. They've got to be able to influence up and be effective communicators with that expertise. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it a hundred times or a thousand times where we've got a person who has been in the organization for 20 plus years and can tell you where every dead body is buried. And they can tell you what's been tried before and what's failed. They can tell you what's been tried before and it's been successful. However, the fact that they've got this great expertise is not communicated in a form or fashion that the person in power wants to hear truth spoken. And we talked about followers differentiate in their ability to communicate. And so here we have an, an, an example of where we've got this great expertise but we can't get it communicated to the to our leaders in such a way as our leaders want to hear it and can act upon it. So it, it does go back to those what we talk about the three C's, and we start talking about competencies, and one of the competencies is the ability to communicate effectively. And so I, I have the competence to know what uh, needs to be done, but I also have to be committed back to the organization to to see the organization succeed. And I have to employ 
character in terms of maybe personal courage to walk into, quote unquote, the boss and say, uh, let's take another look at this. I, I here's, here's what I recommend and here's why and here's the direction I think we need to go in. And um, just speaking for myself, when I've had people do that and it's the respectful, knowledgeable, upfront, uh, agenda-free uh, conversation – I've always been thankful for that, for that, that counsel from the person who might be saving the organization from uh, a lot of trouble down the road. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I agree with you 100%. And you hit on it great, the competency, commitment, and character that's on display there. And remember, we talked about followers differentiate amongst the three C's. And the three C's laid out in ADP1, competency, commitment, and character. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Larry Wilson from uh, Army Management Staff College, Department of Academic Support uh, and Distributed Learning. I, I really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, thanks for, for your time today. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, look forward to another uh, edition of our podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode or this podcast, please check out the description for our email or for our website. Thanks for listening.